Coffee Sketch Podcast is our take on the intersection of old tech and new tech, the space between the traditional practice of the hand-drawn sketch that has been performed by architects and designers for centuries, and the modern-day use of the hashtag as a representation of a sentiment or a movement. Hey, Jamie. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Kurt? Amped. <laughs> if you can't tell. Yeah, it's all the shaking. Is all it? the shaking. Yeah. It's I, like a like a bobblehead. <laughs> I've never owned I've never owned a bobblehead. I've always wanted one, like a sports like a like a three D version of yourself, like bobblehead. You're like, <laughs> that would be cool. Actually, I'd be cool with that. I don't know if we're famous enough for that sort of thing yet. Yeah. I think I'm more, I'm more amped because of the numerous cups of coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, what is, it, what is in the cup? Let's just get straight to it. So, yeah, let's, let's go. So, it's catch of the chase. I'm, I'm rocking my, my Joel, my, my Joel mug, which we got to have that guy back. Yeah. He's been producing some very nice sketches in color. Where does he find the time? Well, anyway, <clears throat> we'll find out because we'll have to have him back and ask him that question. No words. No words. I actually, have been on sort of inspired by Jamie as far as his what's it? What's the word? Uh, sweet tooth for Starbucks roasts. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And so I've, 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 so mixed it up a little bit. So I went and got the Yukon roast. I don't know what they call it. It's called Yukon. It's got okay. a big bear on the on the outside. Got a big bear because Pacific cause Northwest flavors. Okay, it's so that's what I'm drinking. It's not bad. I like it. It's, it's probably strong. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it seems like it's working. Whatever. Well, how it was very difficult this last purchase because it was sitting right next to the Guatemalan oh. bean, and it had the big quetzal on the front, and I was like, oh, I got to buy my Guatemalan beans. Well, yeah. and mom's come to visit, so yeah. Well, that's a good point. I should go back. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie helps with the purchase. That's right. Uh, I'm running low. Anyway, so all the the vacation travelers. Yeah. So fam, fam's coming into town. My brother, his wife, two kids, and my mom, all at once in Michigan. Although they started out their trip, Charlie. And the wife and kids are went east to see mom. Then they went to Charlie's 20-year college reunion in Pennsylvania, which they're leaving today to go back east. And then they will be flying here to Michigan. Oh, wow. And then back to California. So, yeah, it's a two-week whirlwind with a five- and a three-year-old. And then a mom. <laughs> I won't disclose my mother's age. And grandma, right? And so grandma. Yeah, so she mom, grandma. grandma. Okay. Well, yeah. Abuela. Abuelita. Well, I didn't know like what, what she prefers to be called. So oh probably probably abuelita. Okay. In Espanol, por favor. You know. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to uh my mom is a nanny, so nanny. Like she goes by nanny. 
So that's a nice one. Yeah. It is actually, it's kind of fun to, to know different. There, there are a lot of grandma nicknames like Daniel's grandma's gran or grin. Sometimes they call her grin, which is kind of funny. Endearing. I don't know. It's like, you have to be there kind of thing. <laughs> you have to know the person, I suppose. So anyway, I'm sure our listeners, hopefully they can all, but we, we should engage with them and ask our listeners what they call their grandmother. Especially since we do have some listeners who are like in, you know, different parts of the world too. Yeah. It's always, I mean, like mine, I mean, mine is definitely, it's uh, my mom's mom was nanny. So, and it's the, I learned that it's sort of a very Irish kind of thing. So Uh, that's, that's where that comes from. But, and, and then, so I'll I'll put this out there since we don't do a whole lot of this, like, Hey, reach back out to us fans, listeners. I'll, I'll call them listeners. I don't know if I want to call them fans. I don't want to presume that they... no presumption. We're not. We're not presumptive at but, all. But uh, probably the best way yeah, to react, especially, to... especially after our discussion, like totally caffeinated before we even started this. So that's right. That's no right. Presumption. That's right. 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 That's a good, exactly. Hum- humility is it the name of the game. So, but the best way to probably respond would be on Twitter. I'm going to say. Uh, my social media game is is somewhat subpar and and jamie's is better best better way better than mine and so if you shoot the message to to coffee sketch on twitter jamie will respond quickly kurt will maybe respond slowly kurt is you know he is picking up you know there are moments where like there's a flurry Um, i know right you hit a couple topics and, and Kurt is right there. Like, that's right. Thanks. On point. So, yeah. So what, what about you? What are you, what are you drinking? Well, what's, I mean, what's amping Jamie up? Well, it, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I, I, I it, it was funny. You, you, you definitely know me. So I, I saw this sort of limited edition Starbucks thing. Uh, while I was getting some groceries and, could not resist. Could and not I couldn't resist because it was like, I was like, oh, that one's new. And it sounded different. And I knew I needed to get some coffee. But it's it's vanilla. It's like a Madagascar vanilla and honey. Mm-hmm. Starbucks. Never seen it before. And it's, it is. I mean, when you said sweet tooth, it's like, it's so funny. I mean, because it, it really is. It, it has a, it's a medium roast, but it has a real sort of sweet flavor to it. So, but not like in a, not like a, like a milk chocolatey kind of sweetness. It's, you can like, still take, you can still get the, the, the coffee roast through. It's, 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 it's more of the honey. I think that's sort of coming through, but I, the vanilla is real subtle. So I, I like it. Right and it definitely has got the caffeine. So. I, uh, I should see if I could find some of that to get guts, the caffeine, not, not to, not to forget about our local friends at rootless here in flint they the the roaster the install of the roaster is now done Ooh. it should be done by now we had, had you, a little do you get to like push the button like <laughs> i don't know if they have buttons okay but i you mean as far as like the first fire up like, like the hey, first fire up i mean like dude you have a uh, 
podcast. You help them get the roaster. I thought I permit I process. Yeah, that, yeah, the lengthy permit process. It was actually kind of a. This is the non pretentious part of design where you're just like, can I can I push the button? <laughs> I'm just happy that it's it's complete. And we give a shout out to Sean Murray from Rootless, who just got married. Oh, sweet! A, a week or two ago, I think. Yeah, I think he's on his honeymoon now, celebrating not roasting coffee. <laughs> so yeah, the hopefully he listens, and I'll have to remind him. Hey, why don't you listen to ninety nine episode ninety nine? If if you only listen to one, <laughs> so yeah, that was a. It's nice to to see something a small small task. And so the 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 excitement was there. I bumped into him before his wedding, and he said that the thing the machine the new machine is way faster, so they can. So what we're expecting is more rootless coffee to people who want it (laughs) that's the big that's the big reason there and yeah so it's very cool so anywho how's the so we are this is 99 episode 99 we are almost there we're at the precipice we will make no homages to Kurt's fanboy podcasting. It didn't even uh, cross my mind. It, it totally crossed your <laughs> it mind. It did cross my mind. Yeah. <laughs> 99% um, Invisible. Yes. Has, they have way more than 99 episodes. But you got to start somewhere. Goals. 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 Hashtag, hashtag goals. Is that how you use it? Hashtag? <laughs> so well anyway so for today though we were going to talk about which is going to be fun i think is 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 a little bit of a recap is jamie graciously joined my studio's final review and also got to join a friend of ours actually we should <clears throat> for those that are listening well and we'll talk about it more but Ilya azaroff f-a-i-a is a teacher, also a faculty at um, City College, New York, right? And and also running for a director at large at AIA National. So we should endorse a friend, a colleague, and uh, and uh, so yeah. So there, that's my that's my ringing endorsement of Ilya, a, a talented man, smart man, passionate about resiliency, which I think you're going to talk about. As far as and, the studio and somebody, was, and somebody who was almost on like an early version of the podcast. <laughs> we I, had I, some I technical did. difficulty. Yeah, he was sort of on the cutting room floor of that episode. But uh, yeah, if you go back to when Kurt and I did our first foray into um, coffee, coffee sketch in the wild at the Manil Drawing Institute in Houston, Ilya was actually with us for that that sort of tour, and and that was sort of. A fun fun day of barbecue and oh man and architect architecture in, in Houston and coffee sketch podcasting in the wild yes that's good and uh, maybe I'll have to go back to the archives and see if I can resurrect some bits and pieces for everyone in a, in an outtake something we can something we can cobble in using technology right 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 yeah. And in Kurt's spare time. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Working and teaching have, so, so anyway, so that's why it was, maybe we're a little, a little past the, the day of presentations, but, but it was fun. We got Jamie. So we all start with my class, right? So real quick, we could talk about the class that I worked on, which is called comprehensive design at Loring's tech. And the, the format was for, well, so Jamie joined the graduate section. So we run this class for undergraduates and graduates in two different tracks, but the format is basically the same as far as the project and the, the, the deliverables that we're trying to get them to pursue sort of, so it's comprehensive. So we're trying to ask them not only for the architectural, but mechanical and systems and understanding how to integrate these things together a little bit of energy modeling. And hopefully that doesn't mean that it was, was a poorly done, right? No, no. A little no. hiccup. <laughs> but so, a poorly placed hiccup uh, <laughs> you're describing the student's work. Yes. So, so um, here, I'll, let's see. I'll, let me share a screen real quick. And I hope I have the right window open. I do. I do. Oops. As you're putting that up, I was just going to say thank you again for the opportunity to do it. It's I haven't taught in a little while, but have taught in the past, and and then have have been had the opportunity to sit in on reviews at University of Texas here in Austin several times for several years, but haven't done it in a little while, and so this was a welcome opportunity to do that. Oh, oh, oh. I just put an arrow next to Jamie. It's tiny. <laughs> I'll put another arrow next to Kurt. And then I will, sorry, if, if you're watching this on, on YouTube, then you'll see our little arrows of people to, to not forget the shout out. But yeah, you're welcome. And thanks for, for joining. And so you being, so at Lawrence Tech, actually, just so everyone knows that the, the graduate architecture program is, is, it can be taken completely online. So I think it's, the I think it's, easily the first of its kind and still one of few that actually exists for an architecture program. And so being online, we have students kind of from all over the place, sometimes internationally as well. And so coordinating calendars and schedules can be a little challenging, but so, so we took advantage of this online nature and had the presentations via zoom. And, and now that everybody is a hundred percent zoom experts, I, I invited Jay to come join the crits and also Kevin down here in the corner from the Archimarathon YouTube channel and Archimarathon website and discord and named Archimarathon is Kevin and he's from Australia. And so that was a lot of fun. It was morning. It was actually the future for him. So it was the morning after the evening for us over here stateside. <laughs> So anyway, so this, yeah, this is the little screen of, of sort of the group. We kind of broke it out. Let me, let me get out to actually we'll jump into Jamie's sketch because it was more, where did it go? I think it's right here. Oh no. I'm having a technical difficulty. Down, 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 down here. <laughs> there it is right there. So, yeah. so, <clears throat> so the, the project, there was two projects, although in my section, we only focused on one, which was a urban vertical farm 
project, which so the students had to take a site in Detroit in the Eastern market area of Detroit, which is uh, a, a very rich and vibrant uh, neighborhood and, and sort of home to the Eastern market, which is kind of a, it's a farmer's market. It's a bazaar. It's kind of, it's got a lot of roots in the city as far as being a sort of open air public space to, to sell things primarily like a farmer's market style. And so the vertical, vertical farm program was kind of built to support the Eastern market adjacent to the site. And then think in a more, you know, sort of forward thinking sustainability, maybe net zero fashion to try and create a little more on-site energy production, also food and sort of closed loop regenerative food production too. So that was kind of the, the, the big ask, right? It was definitely a big program, a very complex program with systems, parking, community benefits, things, social aspects. And so the students had some like sort of ups and downs throughout the semester, being online as well, trying to like wrestle with the program and, and meet each other and with the faculty online. And, and so, so anyway, that was, that's kind of the background. And so Jamie got to well sit in for six students for the uh, the session and and actually <laughs> which which was it was total serendipity I think it, this was not a planned thing at all but it just so happened and that's why we're talking about it is that Jamie was a, being on Zoom Jamie was able to make some sketches and use them in critique with. One, uh, not more than one of the, or was it just one, one or two of the students as we were trying to like draw out the, the, the concept from this to maybe help the student push it maybe just a bit farther. So what are, what about, so how, what are your thoughts then, Jamie? Enough of me. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it was, I, I liked the idea of the program and, and thinking about a place like Detroit and which has a rich built history but then also has some really interesting sustainability efforts and then challenges. And I think that the, the program, as you, as you like aptly described it, it was, it's a challenging one that probably had multiple points for the students to engage it, both from a, a, a pure design and program and architecture, historical precedent site context, but at the same time, sort of systems, systems of the building and trying to understand those in relationship to their own work, but then also trying to make a foray into sort of closing the loop and thinking about how we're designing buildings for the future where there is some regenerative process. And then I think the the part that sort of I loved about the project was this sort of idea of bringing the social aspect of food and people and community and place into the project. And, and I think that that's, that ended up being really the, the spot where you could see the students who really rose to the occasion and really challenged themselves. Because I think the other parts are a little bit nuts and bolts. And, and you can certainly, and I say nuts and bolts as if it's something that's easy, and I, I don't mean that at all, but nuts and bolts where it's, it's things that are familiar. I think that there's those aspects of design through a studio education are things that you've encountered before. It's a new project, which is always new challenges, 
but I think layering on top of it, this idea of resilience related to community and to people, like to the actual potential occupants, I think is something that we need to be, all of us as designers and people just in general need to be thinking about. And I, and so I, I liked that aspect and really enjoyed the conversations with the students where they were posing questions about what this building would would feel like to the community mm-hmm. and how it would work and, and how one would kind of occupy it and, and how their designs and the architecture influenced that and where their challenges were. I think the, again, the students who were taking it to a whole nother level for themselves really looked at those aspects of community and really tried to figure out, you know, how do I engage it and, and, and how, and the questions that they sort of posed in that, I think, were the, were the spots that seemed to be most exciting. I mean, and, and, and the ones who were the, the, the images that we have on the screen, one of the sketches, the, the, it was clear the student was really interested in this sort of community aspect of things. And they were really trying to understand how their building fit into the context of place. And I think they're, they were struggling, honestly, with how do you put a building on this particular site, connect it to the community and the context and the precedent. There's other markets sort of and market type buildings in the area and, and then make it at the same time a closed loop building. And I think that that sort of that process of turning it into a closed loop it was almost like a short circuit for them. And, 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 and there were, so there were aspects of the architecture that they started to explore. And, and so we were having this very interesting discussion about the building as an object, as a closed loop system. And, and then the, in their particular design, the disconnect to the community and, and that that was a missed opportunity. And so there was, there were some aspects of that that were, were, were particularly interesting and, and they weren't upset about it. It was like, you could see that that was where they were, they were really struggling with those kind of competing ideas or perceived competing ideas for themselves as a designer, which that's part of the process. So as much as it's a critique, it's also a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that that was, that was a lot of fun. And then the fact that, that Kevin was there as well, I think that his input was, was fantastic and it, it, it helped me really kind of think through a lot of the precedents that he was trying to allude to for the students. There was a, an interesting discussion of sort of Richard Rogers and, and this, the Pompidou Center. Mm-hmm. And so you know, on one of the projects and, and there were some other kind of, you know, aspects of that, that I were, were wonderfully challenging for me to kind of think, okay, historically, this is, these are good precedent studies. What are some other ones that have happened and, and his perspective as a, a practitioner in, in Aust- and educator and, and, and whatnot in, in Australia, I think was, was, was great. Yeah. I was sort of giddy. <laughs> in getting both of you into the same room at the same time or the same Zoom room. <laughs> because it was interesting to, to see the two of you kind of riff a little bit off each other. We even got Kevin sketching and share, yeah. screen yeah. sharing to, to sort of both of you. We're both kind of right on the same page in, in a lot of 
the conversation with some of the students in trying to like, and and I, I'd like to commend both of you and thank you for being uh, able to to sort of with very very brief uh, introduction to the project, like get into the idea and and also like less maybe less for Kevin, but I think you've been to you've been to Detroit. Mm-hmm. briefly and so trying to quickly sort of wrap your heads around like the locality the familiarity of, of place in, in interconnection but yeah so it, it was is very helpful and and I think yeah the conversations I, I hope will will help develop the students to think it's it's tough right to try and do in this this particular course too trying to do all of it in 16 weeks as far as architectural site analysis, energy, some concepts on energy modeling and calculations, then structures and enclosure and envelope. And then at the end of the semester, they get 10 minutes to present it all and then have 10 or <clears throat> 10 or 15 minutes of feedback. And that's <laughs> and then that's like the the capstone of of the semester. But yeah, there was one, yeah, the the the, you you pointed out the one aspect which was interesting is that you know because of the program is that the building was very much like a machine it, it was this production center of sort of keeping growing food composting food extracting energy from the food through a biodigester capturing rainwater capturing solar also having a restaurant on site community community educational spaces and, and sort of walk so turning the building into sort of some sometimes a machine, sometimes an educational facility for talk about the functions that are going on inside the building, and and then so, and then having it to sort of address that ground plane because it was multi-story, high 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 density sort of square footage. You know, and, I think it was like a hundred and yeah. something thousand square. Feet. Well, and I think that that was that was some of the more interesting discussions we had on on more than one project. Some of which is sketched here too. Is this idea of that engagement at the street? And like I said, with the one student who was sort of challenged with the idea of this building as an object in a machine that was sort of a self-referential sort of closed loop system with energy and technology and whatnot, it it, it almost became fortress like. And, and I don't think that that was their intention and they, and they were sort of struggling with that. And then others were really had some opportunities to really engage with the street really interestingly and were conscious of how certain corners and certain facades of their building were sort of natural axes to other aspects of the community and, and creating design opportunities at the ground plane where you're playing with scale and you're playing with cover and you're allowing some transparency to see sort of that activity, even if you're not engaging with the building. All those things were, were really kind of rich discussions. And what was, what was interesting to me, and I think Kevin pointed it out initially, and then as you said, you know, I'm sort of piggybacking off of it a little bit, but this idea of you, you come up with one or two really strong design moves sort of one or two really strong approaches to your project. And in doing that, you sort of set up a grid and set up a system for your building, both structurally, but also sort of systematically. 
how the building's going to work, both with people in it, but also sort of systems in it. And the, the projects that were most successful were the ones that found that opportunity to kind of set up an organize, organizing system, both structurally as well as systematically, and, and then developed their concept from that, but didn't, didn't try and reinvent it all the way through. They sort of settled on an I settled on the grid, for instance, like on the on I think that was how Kevin initially brought it up was this idea. It was uh, someone was working through kind of a heavy timber building, and Kevin kind of pointed out this kind of concept of, well, heavy timber. It's the structure is, and there's an expression of that structure that you want to see, and from the exterior there were some expressions of that structure, but then when you got to the interior. There was a lot of effort in sort of the iterative process of that person's design where they were covering up that structure and, and not real, realizing that the opportunity when you got to the inside to design in section was exploring and expressing that structure. And what does that structure kind of give you to influence the design moves moving forward? And, and so that was, it was sort of, I made the comment, that one rendered hallway that you have right there where you have these observation rooms to different processes of the building. It's great that you're thinking about the processes of the building, but you're missing the opportunity in that hallway to have the right scale to express that structure and, and that that structure is really evident in that space. And that it's and there's a uniformity of the structure that that repetition of elements is actually kind of a nice design move. And so that that was it was it was great to have a, a co-juror who was thinking along similar lines or was having a similar impression, which I think speaks to the strength of some of the projects when jurors sort of respond to things in a way where we're, we're really kind of on the same page and we're talking about the same things, it's because the project's strong. So I think overall, I mean, most of the projects, Kurt, were really strong. I, I think it was, it was a really good, uh, really great discussion, really great conversation. Yeah, and thanks. I like that he sketched with me. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a benefit it's, as far as people may think, oh, having to run a whole curriculum online. But being if you can turn the camera so to speak or the lens right and and use the zoom at, to your advantage and being able to screen share sketches or throw a sketch on your camera or use the screen but yeah no thanks for for that compliment i mean we still on the faculty side we're const, kind of constantly tinkering with the comp design class and take taking all this stuff to try and continue to improve it and always with the back of our mind intention having to do the NAB accreditation, which is the National Association of Architecture Board. I, I, I'm probably butchering the acronym, but it's basically accrediting boards, yes. Accrediting board, right, yes. yes. It, it's our, what gives architecture schools the, the, uh, accreditation to pr produce future architects <laughs> seal of approval so to speak yeah so comp design is definitely one that is under that microscope and actually it might be a good time to segue to to the Ilya's class because mm -hmm. 
I, I I had a thought and it'll come back to me. I know when we share, let me share a screenshot from, from that session and I'll have more questions because I was not able to attend. Let's see, which one do I want to use? Let me start with, I'll start with this and I'm going to switch to a different view because it's a little less grainy, but hold on a sec here. Let's start with this. Okay. So for you and for our YouTube viewers, hopefully you can see this and we'll switch away from this being a little grainy, but so this, the, for Ilya's class, it, it, um, it sounds like it based on your, your hashtags and uh, sort of what I saw online is that Ilya is a big proponent for resilient, resiliency, resilient design strategies. I mean, he, he does it in practice for people around the world. And so uh, he's pushing this agenda in the studio, it sounds like, and it looks like they focused on a, a site area in the Bronx. And so let me actually, since this is a little grainy, I'll switch to this one, which was a view that Ilya posted. And it looks like it was one of his students. Hopefully, I don't know if you sat in on this one. So yeah, why don't you... Give, give us the recap and then we'll t- you know, see if there was, I'll come back to the thought I had before. Yeah, no, it, it's, I, I think that, yeah. So after, after Kurt's review, I, I ended up a couple of days later, had the opportunity to, to sit in on an evening review in, in New York city. So of course also via zoom, but yeah, Ilya invited me and it was great. Wonderful opportunity. Again, there were you know, several other jurors from, from different different spots, mostly kind of in the New York kind of East Coast area. Um, but I think that the the intriguing part, aside from you know, just the opportunity to, to hang out with Ilya and, and meet some of his students, was I was very interested because having just done yours, where sort of resilience and this sort of closed loop sort of systems approach was really evident in, in your students' work. I was, you know, kind of curious to see how another studio across the country was kind of tackling similar concepts. And so the the projects there were centered in, the students were broken into smaller teams, smaller groups where they were analyzing. So there was a lot of site analysis and then trying to analyze those particular sites with resiliency goals in mind. I think the difference between the way that your studio was organized was Ilya kind of front-loaded a lot of resilience and systems education related to sort of design moves and case studies and precedents and sort of more cutting-edge sort of analysis tools where the probably one of the primary objectives was sort of looking at site responses and challenging sites within sort of the the New York, Manhattan, Bronx, the boroughs kind of area. So there was a couple different challenging sites. The students were broken up into where each of these groups was analyzing those particular sites. And a program developed out of that for each of the sites. So there wasn't necessarily programming that was across the board where your project had a a really, really rich program. This one, the programs were a little bit less rich, but the site analysis was, and the efforts in that were were kind of a little bit differently. So it did a different different project model. Um, Sorry. So what year or or what year 
or grade class, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> same, same, same level. Same, oh, like, you know, yeah. So senior, senior level. Um, oh, cool. And, and I like the idea of the emergent program, like the program emerging from the, the result of the site analysis. I think that that's speaks to a lot of resilient strategies, right? Cause like, I mean, there's the, the global or the big picture, right? Is like, do you plunk, plunk down a building anywhere that zoning allows because you can, right. or, or do you, does the, does this from an environmental or energy standpoint, does the site dictate, not dictate, what's the word inform right. what, what should be there? Right. It's not, it's not, I want to put this there, but like, no, this is what needs to happen here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think like that. that ended up being a little bit of a, of a challenge for some of the students because it was, there was no constraint. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't as much of a constraint in terms of sort of who's developing. You, you really didn't yeah. have a client who was written into the program. And so they're sort of developing their own clients in a sense. And and though some of them were really adept at it and took the analysis of, okay, how much, what can the floor area ratio be in this, this area and for this particular site and what are the adjacencies and, and how, what's the, the resilient response to, there were a lot of these sites also had a, a, a water component. You're, you're working in New York City, you're, on, you're in a coastal environment. The sea level rise is a real thing. And so there was some aspects of that that influenced the designs and and part of that sort of future programming where you're sort of thinking through mm -hmm. how would this building evolve over time? So some students were much more adept at, at that and kind of took a moment to really kind of think through how the influence of some of those kind of client decisions affected their own design. So they kind of, you know, puts they instilled some rules upon themselves which mm -hmm. i think was, which was a good move but the 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 sea level rise aspect of it for the projects was i think there was two different sites that i looked at and one was one that was really on the water and then the other one had the one in the in the bronx was also a, a waterfront site but was a little bit more of a linear site where you could set the building back and and have it not necessarily as affected, and so there was there was a, between the two different groups that that I ended up review kind of different different thing different challenges that the students were dealing with the 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 Bronx site there was a an excellent discussion about sort of context of the street and interestingly a lot of the students were in in that particular one were trying to understand the neighborhood that they were working in. And, and I guess, unlike your, your students really went to that neighborhood and really spent a lot of time there. And, and that I think really informed their projects in, in, in terms of how they developed their program. So that was, that was really, I, I thought really, and really rich discussions that kind of came out of that, but then each student developed their own project. So they worked as a team okay. to, kind of, to do the, anal, the, the analysis part, but then each one took a project from start to finish and then presented it that way for, for the, for the reviewers. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. The, the art comp design similar in that the beginning of the semester, they do some group work for site 
and precedence and they kind of break it up. Some do code analysis program, kind of all that stuff, and then move on into their individual. So that sounds that sounds like a similarity. And then the the one the one thing that is a difference is that, like you said, is being in our in our case, the online program, they can't unless they're in Michigan, you know, right. taking this this course, can't necessarily visit the the site or maybe not everybody, right? Some, some may, some may not. So they have to rely on the information we give them and whatever they can gather from other sources. So, yeah. And I think understanding site by being there is definitely one aspect of any design project in school or in, in the real world that really helps to inform the result Right. And, and so it's, but there's, it's, it can't, it can't always provide that in, in, in the school setting for us at least, but when they get out into practice, they can, right. they can engage in that, that component yeah. of it. Yeah. The other thing too, that was, in, that was a little different yours, you had, you did have an engineer kind of in a review that with, with, with Kevin and I, and, and she was, she was great in terms of talking through some, some systems processes but for Ilya's, I, I got the, the opportunity to uh, review with a landscape architect. And she was fantastic because she was very familiar with the site and not necessarily where she had been reviewing the students' work before, but she, she was very familiar with those areas of, of, of New York and, and, and the coastal response and the coastal challenges of, of dealing in, on some of those sites. And so she had some really fantastic probing questions for the students and then told them where they were being really particularly inventive or, or if they were just flat out, just not making the right considerations. Right. And, and it was, and I think that that was the thing there, each of the sites were effectively like brownfield sites. So they were locations that would probably have a lot of cleanup and things like that, kind of underutilized parcels, but were ones that across the board, all the students were really trying to challenge themselves to find a site response that linked it to the programs that they came up with so that there was sort of a living building kind of component. And that's like mm -hmm. the image you have there on the screen, but but also that there was an opportunity for the community to engage the site, even if they weren't necessarily engaging with the program of the building, so that the site became a bit of an amenity for mm. the community. And I think the, they're, they're, the students who really thought through their program development and, and had a, a strong kind of ethic to how that got developed those were certainly more successful and, and those that struggled with kind of how, how do I understand this community that's going to, that's adjacent to my site or that would use this building. You could see that their site response was a little bit more formulaic. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, actually, as a sort of a segue back to our class and some of the conversation that came up between you and Kevin in, in that sort of, there were, it was more than once the idea of like how the building engages that street scape. But I think the, the angle here, like from a resiliency standpoint is that most, most coastal 
flood prone areas, this response is going to have to be a sort of sacrificial ground floor, which then lifts, lifts the building up above that, that existing sidewalk level, or say the, the bulk of the inhabitable space, interior space of the building. So then vacating the ground floor a little bit to being a, the, a more public open space that, that could also flood. But then in, in our case, I suppose if the students said that they were attempting a future proposal, they might have gotten away. <laughs> but right. then it, it creates an interesting void almost of a public presence to the building because it's not necessarily touching the ground. So that, that's what happened in, in our review in, in, in the Detroit project was certain yes. students yes. Like, didn't know how to connect it down. And, right. and, and so, so the landscape architect's comments were were really poignant because there was these sort of opportunities where there was one in particular where she was asking the student, like, okay, you have this site plan. So I'm in a taxi and and I I get out of the taxi or my Uber and I'm at the I'm at the edge of your site. Where do I go next? And sort of this, like, walk me, literally, like, walk me through your site. And so, like, it was that that sort of really kind of trying to occupy this space. And like you say, this, in some cases, sacrificial ground plane, or were there opportunities for berms and retention features that really dealt with this concept of water and flooding and sea level rise and and then and how do you design that into an overall site response? It was it was really interesting. So I learned I learned a lot as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the uh, it was also like you mentioned. Thanks for reminding me. There we had an engineer, and I, and and the fun the and it was a late she was a late addition to our group, and luckily we got her. She her the there was one big precedent vertical farm project that we looked at that it was an actual did it did actually get built and she was the engineer or one of the team that did the engineering work on that vertical farm which i i can't remember where it was but so it was nice to have her perspective from the technical standpoint and yeah so so i think because i could keep going (laughs) there's a whole lot we might have we might have to do this, do something again, talk about the the studio aspects, but hopefully I, in the fall, I will, I've, I've been assigned to a, a studio that is, is going to go start to finish as group project, which will be a first for me. So they start, they break into groups and then they will develop an entire project and this is this fall studio will be is the precursor to the comp design spring. So these students will be the fall, and then they move into comp in the spring. So I will most likely have engagement with them for the whole school year. So hopefully we can do something virtually where we can get you in again, and maybe we can get Ilya if he's not too busy. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, no. I, I, I think that would be great. I'd love to love to come back. And, and thanks for bringing this one up as as this episode. I think this was a great great way to tie both of those experiences for me, but I think for 
for both of us to talk a little bit about sort of process and discussion. I think it's it's definitely something that's akin to the podcast. So 